I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty, so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Tila Tequila, the first internet celebrity. Who was Tila Tequila? Well, she was the true first internet icon. She also parlayed that viral fame into a successful reality TV show career, multiple record deals, and even a short-lived modeling career. Until she had a hard pivot into becoming a born-again Christian, and then just went down the neo-Nazi pipeline. We're in for a wild ride today, folks. A wild ride. MySpace. 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 It's hard to imagine a world before the internet, a world unmoored from hashtags, memes, and follower counts. But if one person marks the changing of the guard culturally, it's Tila Tequila. She's the person who marked the overnight shift from pursuing a pre-internet version of fame into pursuing the modern conception of celebrity, which looks an awful lot like nonstop controversy. Born Yun Thi Thien Fen on October 24th, 1981, the individual that we'll all know eventually as Tila Tequila has worn many pseudonyms. Tila Nien, Miss Tila, and Tornado Thien. Born in Singapore, she has an older brother and an older sister. Her family is what is commonly referred to as Vietnamese boat people who arrived in Vietnam after the Vietnam War. Boat people sounds super racist, but I'm not going to lie. In doing all this research for this episode, that's always how they're referred to, so I'm not sure what the etymology of that is, but uh, it makes me really uncomfortable. I feel like we should rebrand that. What do you have against boats? Around her first birthday, her family relocated to a neighborhood in Houston, Texas, where they lived mostly in a gated community run by a strict Buddhist temple. She stayed there until she was roughly eight years old. Around the age of 16, she ran away to Queens, New York after witnessing a drive-by shooting. According to her, she then became pregnant and later that year subsequently had a miscarriage. So this is like a lot of drama for a young person. Uh, one, growing up on a hardcore like Buddhist compound, I don't even really know what that means, but that doesn't sound fun. Yeah, and I don't know if this has any kind of effect on this, you know, if it's a coincidence or more likely it actually has informed some of her behavior later on. But uh, as we'll get into, perhaps she's she becomes known later on for these like frequent fake pregnancies. And uh, it seems like maybe there's some kind of correlation between having a, a miscarriage at such a young age and this recurring theme of faking pregnancies that she goes through. And also having recurring like mental breaks of like lapses in good judgment or, you know, kind of acting out for the sake of attention. You know, like all of these things seem to be a a cycle in her psyche, unfortunately, Um, which is just very sad. It's very sad to, to kind of be able to see somebody's life be trapped in these negative cycles over and over and over again. And they don't appear to be in any way uh, capable of, of fixing that. Yeah. And like, obviously, we're kind of getting a little bit of a head, ahead of ourselves. But, you know, it's already it's already difficult to break out of mental health uh, cycles like that because there's so many fa- there's so many variables that have to come into play. You have to you have to um, recognize and want to get help for yourself. 
you have to have a very strong support system around you that can facilitate and help you get that help and stay consistent with it. And then there's just a bunch of different environmental factors in your life that are going to just frankly help you maintain that and not that's not going to happen for everybody and it's not going to happen every single time there's going to be you know things that occur that make you relapse into something there's going to be triggers there, there's just there's just a million moving parts to um seeking uh, seeking assistance for some kind of mental health issue and on top of all of that um becoming the very first internet famous person which is probably just you know, being famous on the internet is probably just like our modern era's like worst like multiplier of of mental health issues. Uh, is you know, it's just it's just a it's just a terrible cocktail. Eventually, Tequila graduated from Alif Hastings High School in 2000. Within the year, she had moved to California in search of fulfilling her Hollywood dreams. Tequila, now around 19 years old, thought that she would have a solid chance at Hollywood stardom due to being scouted by a Playboy talent scout at a Sharpstown mall in Texas. She did a test shoot for Playboy. It went well, and then she decided, you know what? Let's go all in and make the jump. On April 22nd, 2002, she was selected for Playboy's Cyber Girl of the Week and soon after became the first Asian Cyber Girl of the Month. Now, at the age of 20, she was looking to make her mark. So what did she do? She tried to start a band. She eventually got some fellow limelight seekers together and they formed a band called Beyond Betty Jean. I mean, honestly, that from that name, it just, it sounds like an, like an early 2000s alt-rock emo band. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go to two minutes and 22 seconds, that's when it gets real bad. I'm not into this. You feeling this? This This sounds like if they took a Doors song and then amplified it out of Courtney Love's fart. <laughs> yep. Mhm. I think what they want to be is they want to be like Kind of like a Joan Jetty front person rock band, you know, but it just is, it just gives off big high school band competing in the uh, talent show to a bunch of norm cores who just aren't going to be able to get whatever like shitty hardcore or new metal thing they're doing. Hey man, even I, there was, there was a band in, in, in high school when I was in high school that played at the talent show. And it was a female-led band that was like very clearly going for like a like an Evanescence flyleaf type thing, and they were way better than this shit. So don't don't denigrate high school talent band talent show bands because compared to this, that was that was fucking that was fucking going to the opera. Yeah, I'm just not into it. Not into it. Yeah, I mean it's funny because it's like it like I said the the name of the band Beyond Betty Jean that sounds like an early two thousands alt rock or emo band when you look at this you can't see this at home but it if if you were just 
I'm a, to, just to mute this and watch this, there is a very particular type of music that you think is being played right now, which is like early 2000s alt rock. It, it, it looks like a, a an Evanescence ripoff band. And then you turn it on and it's like, it sounds like the fake music that's being played in the background of a movie like when the when the when the people who made the movie just like didn't know it, it was like some it's like the 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 fucking assistant director had to quickly write the music and then they got some random person to sing it yeah like the uh the the song in star war star trek 4 voyage home where they're on the bus and there's that punk guy and he's playing a song that's like you know, I hate you, yeah, I hate you. And that song was written by uh, Leonard Nimoy's assistant. It's like those kind of songs, except that song is not bad. Like, that song's like a fine punk song. This is not. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it just, it just sounds like in a Disney Channel original movie when the characters go to a concert and then that's like there's a band playing in the background and it, it's a song that is has been written by the assistant director on a Disney Channel original movie and then recorded and performed by like just the staff at the post sound house. Well, needless to say, Beyond Betty Jean didn't last too long. Next up, she tried again, this time after working in some recording studios, theoretically honing her chops. Before we move on, though, I just just to quickly circle back like this, this statement is not in any way meant to shame or denigrate um, sex workers or people who who work in the adult entertainment industry. But like the idea that like Tia Tequila as a 19 year old girl was at a mall and some dude like I, I feel like maybe I'm just being very redundant right now because I feel like this is like obvious and it's I'm not saying anything revolutionary. But like the idea that there's just some dude at a mall and he just saw some girl and he was like, she's fucking hot. And then he just like scouted her like that's that's fucking creepy as hell. And like looking looking at when you look into the backstory of Tia Tequila, like that was sort of like proudly a part of her backstory, like her official biography is getting scouted to be in Playboy at a mall. And it's like, yeah, like but like that's gross. Like some fucking dude was just like, oh, she looked good. Like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't think I'm saying anything revolutionary. It just struck me as really creepy. It's also an instant time capsule, too, though. Like, you just can't, you know, you can't be the cyber playboy girl of the month anymore. Like, what does that, what does that mean? Like, that's that's a, like a nothing say statement, you know? I mean, it's, it's a statement that's like, it's not nearly as cool as what it sounds like. Because whenever I hear cyber playboy, cyber girl of the month, I'm, I'm imagining some fucking hot robot. And this is just is not anywhere near that yeah uh so the the band didn't last long she pivoted she starts a new band this new band is called jealousy this band also didn't last long we don't we don't have any jealousy bangers nah dude nah dude uh however tequila's first big break came from a game show that she was on called surviving nugent where she appeared as a contestant it was a reality vh1 show where you would have to like do all these weird compromising things in front of Ted Nugent, which also huge time capsule. Yeah. Surviving Nugent is going to be the name of the expose uh, HBO documentary that's eventually going to come out about him. As a side note, yes, that is absolutely a, a time capsule. But I just also want to say we've talked about this before. And like, I don't quite think there's enough 
there to do an episode. I've I've toyed around with the idea of doing an episode, but I just don't think there's enough. There, I don't think there's enough stuff to do a full episode. But I just want to say for anybody who doesn't know this, because I feel like this is not very well known. Um, obviously, a lot of people know that Ted Nugent, um, which, you know, full transparency as a kid, I was a huge Ted Nugent fan, uh, you know, fucking. Yeah, he's just a, one of my favorite guitar players growing up, but he's like this ultra right wing gun nut fucking racist dude. Um, but also he he thinks that he's black. And what I mean, and, and and what I mean by that was I started going down this rabbit hole of like researching some stuff about Ted Nugent and I started to notice this thing and it kept popping up. And at first I thought it was him kind of being joking around or it was being sarcastic or something like that or like making fun of cultural appropriation or something. But it, the more I read about it, the more I started to realize that it was not a joke or like a, an attempt at satire. He's dead serious. He thinks that he's black. He thinks that like, because he thinks that like being black is a cultural thing that you can earn. And he thinks that because he's such a good guitar player and he's learned to play the blues and he's like played the blues in clubs with like other black blues players, he thinks that he has become black and he identifies as a black man. And that's a hundred percent real. Before Rachel Dolezal, Ted Nugent, the unknown story. I mean, and it, it's, but it's like, it's kind of crazier than Rachel Rachel Dolezal because it's not like, oh, I'm darkening my skin and pretending like posing as a black person. He just thinks that he like converted to being black like you would convert to Judaism or something. It's it's very bizarre. But anyway, uh, I feel like we should talk a little bit um, maybe about kind of our first interactions with Tila Tequila. Did you have a MySpace page? Uh, yeah, I think that's what most people know her for. Uh, did, were you friends with Tila Tequila? I was not. I was not friends with Tila Tequila. Um, it's funny because this might come as a surprise to you and maybe the listeners if they've just kind of kept a if if they've been observant of the things that we've talked about and me talking about what my day job is and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I never was in, interested in social media um, up until I really got into the industry. Um, I, I never had a personal MySpace I only had a music MySpace page for my own music, uh, which I eventually just made because I saw that other people were making them. And I was like, oh, it seems like, oh, you can like you can like make a page and like put your songs on it and people can hear your songs. So that was interesting to me. So I had a, a music MySpace page. Um, but other than that, before I before like the mid 2010s, whatever, I sort of got into the social media industry, I had zero interest in social media and I really didn't have any social media pages other than that. Um, but I, and, but I was aware of Tila Tequila. I saw the phenomenon of it, of people being friends with her and her and, and the whole thing about how she has the most friends on, on Facebook or on uh, MySpace, And she like actually maxed out the, the number of friends that you could have. I was aware of that, but I, I wasn't friends with her and I, 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 uh, I was only sort of aware of it. Um, I don't even know if seeing people talk about it on MySpace, I guess. I don't I don't remember if I was friends with her or not, but I definitely saw her profile and I had a MySpace page and uh, I mostly used it to talk to comics nerds because, you know, hi, <laughs> it's me. Uh, Robert Kirkman and I used to send messages back and forth on MySpace. <laughs> um, you were like, you should you, you should like make a show out of that book you're doing. Yeah, have you ever thought about like uh, 
doing a, a show called The Walking Dead? No? Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, but I, I uh, MySpace was super fun until it wasn't. And then, boy, was it not fun anymore. That's when I left. Um, yeah, I, I think she's a very interesting person, especially just witnessing the arc of her life where there's just so many weird, bizarre things that you wouldn't even really be aware of about her without social media. Like, social media is what put her on, and social media was her undoing in, like, every way, which is pretty fascinating. Well, the interesting thing is, I wasn't really aware of this specific part of it. So I, I sort of, my understanding of the, of the trajectory of Tila Tequila was that she started out as this person who kind of organically turned into this weird celebrity from having the most friends on social media or on MySpace. Um, I wasn't aware of the fact that she was sort of like in the adult entertainment industry prior to that. I thought that came later as like she used her fame to start doing that stuff. I didn't realize that she already had a career in that. And then MySpace was almost kind of like a just a, a marketing um, strategy for promoting her website. She was like in all all of the spaces, though. She was trying to be an actor. She was trying to be a musician. She was trying to be a model. She was on all these like racing covers and like uh, motorcycle covers and car covers for magazines. Like she, uh, you know, she was kind of this weird like, is there a camera there? I'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of like Internet hustle culture before like it was even a thing before even people even realized that that was a thing you could do. Um, but the but the the one thing that I, I I had seen that I also obviously wasn't aware of was that you know there at least seemed to be some early indications of maybe some some issues with her even back then um, where I so basically I saw that apparently on her MySpace page because if you remember like on MySpace there was sort of this there was this um, there was this bar this sidebar on the left of of your MySpace page so you had like your main feed where you had like posts from your that from yourself and other people in the in the middle and then you had like the little thing at the top where you could go to bulletins where people could post longer posts and then on the left was like this biography section where you put like your about me and you put like your favorite movies and your favorite music and then like all this stuff and that was on the side and then on the right there was like your top 8 and stuff and uh, those biography sections could just be like very long and just have all this stuff and people would just load them with all this shit that like nobody fucking wanted to read. But apparently she had this section like way far down in, on her sidebar with like, in her little like biography section where she's talking about herself and her music and linking to all of her pages and all this stuff like that. And then at the very bottom, she just starts talking about how she has multiple personalities and one of her personalities, his name is Jane, and she, like, wants to kill people. And, like, some fairly concerning things that, like, could either be interpreted as, you know, somebody, uh, like an edgelord type, like, trying to just joke about how you have multiple personalities to try to seem edgy and interesting, like a lot of people did back then. Or, like, a genuine expression of some, like, potential mental health issues she was having. Yeah, I uh, I didn't remember that until you said that, but I do remember that being like a weird trope that a lot of people had on their pages were these kind of like strange, almost kind of like building a character information. Like sometimes the bios were just like, my name is George and I'm from fucking this place. And sometimes there were like these weird stories that people would make where it was almost kind of like a fictionalized version of your own 
history, but with like jokes and punchlines and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I had completely forgot about that trope of MySpace pages until you said that right now. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the interesting thing about MySpace, just to slightly talk about MySpace for a second, is because you, you were you were talking about how MySpace was fun until it wasn't, which I'm assuming you're 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 talking about as as it started to get like inundated with like ads and stuff. Yeah, that and also just the culture changed. You know, it was really like a youth oriented platform for I want to say about five years. You know, there were like it was just like kids on there hanging out, talking about music and whatever they were into. And there was not a lot of old people. It was just almost like literally like people from like 14 to 25. And that's kind of about it. And even the people that were like 25, you're like, eh, what are you doing on here? You seem kind of old for this. And uh, then it reached critical mass and a, a bunch of people started coming in. Brands started coming in, a bunch of designers. I remember a bunch of designers went on there and started posting basically like commercials where graphic designers were pivoting from website design to MySpace page design. So they were like, you know, whatever you want your MySpace page to look like, I can design it for you, blah, 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 blah. And I remember being hit up by a bunch of those people and just being like, what is this? This is like, I thought we were here to talk about like the Smiths. Like what is what the fuck is this shit, you know? Um, so yeah, like I said, it was really fun until it wasn't. Yeah, well, that was that was another interesting thing about MySpace is I've talked about this before with other people and I feel like, th- and I think this has been said by other people as well, but like for a lot of people, MySpace was their first introduction to coding because you, unlike any other social media platform that exists now, um, you could just go in and like edit the HTML of your page and like custom design it to look however you wanted. And while you're talking about people trying to like peddle their services of doing that for you, a lot of people just like did that shit themselves. And and because they wanted to customize and change their Facebook or MySpace pages, they like learned how to write HTML, which was just like people just like learning, like teenagers just learning how to code by virtue of trying to like trick out their their pages. Um, but the other interesting about, thing about MySpace is that a, I think a lot of people look back on it as this sort of like nostalgic golden age of social media where it was like you're talking about just all about hanging out and talking about stuff. And then later on, brands started coming in and then it started to become inundated with ads. And then people migrated over to Facebook because Facebook didn't have ads and was a little bit cleaner. And then eventually Facebook obviously changed into like that plus even worse. Um but the interesting thing about MySpace that I think maybe a lot of people don't realize is that MySpace was actually from the very get-go kind of like a corporate psyop. Um, MySpace was created by a marketing company who uh, looked at the success of LiveJournal, and they were and you know to put it into perspective, we kind of take it for granted this idea of like social media and communicating on social media, um, but at this time. The idea of a centralized hub of like a one specific website where a bunch of people went to talk about themselves and interact with each other was completely novel and not a thing that really existed. So um, this marketing company saw that LiveJournal was this like really successful website where you could, without having to make your own website, you could just go here, use their website and create your own blog within their existing infrastructure and then just start posting your thoughts and and talking with other people. And they were like, they were basically like, man, that's that seems like it's very powerful. I wonder what would happen if you created something like that, but then you also put ads on it. And so 
they made MySpace. And the concept of MySpace was, we're going to let this start and we're going to see if we can make it become popular. And then af after it's become popular, after like a, a couple years, we're going to flip a switch and start putting ads here. And so the golden age of MySpace was that couple of year period where there was no ads and they were kind of just like letting it get popular and letting it like take root. And then the moment that they that this company decided to flip the switch and make it become the thing that they originally created it to be, that was when people were like, fuck this. And then the downward spiral of it and fucking Justin Timberlake buying it or whatever the fuck happened. Um, but yeah, I, think, I don't think a lot of people know that like MySpace was always this weird marketing gimmick from the very beginning. The true engine that would propel Tila Tequila's stardom was a burgeoning tool that would change the way American life was lived, social media. Act 2. Hitila. In 2003, Tila Tequila joined a burgeoning social media platform named MySpace. She posted some risque songs, some music videos, and some even spicier bikini photos. And her profile took off overnight. Over the next three years, she would repeat this formula, and it would work in her favor, big time. By 2006, she had gained over 30 million friends on the platform. She was the queen of MySpace. All right, so this is the song, I Love You. Uh, and, uh... Oh, boy. I, I, I think I love you. Silhouettes of Tila Tequila dancing. But if you ever hurt me, I'll fucking kill you. You bet don't tell me you get with me. You bet can't hear back out to three. You bet do what I fuck you up. You bet don't tell me you get with me. You bet realize how to watch me. Wow, this is so not my bag. I did. I did not. I honestly did not expect where that went. You cannot please, so you better bow down and get on your knees. Put the diamonds out, give me what I need. Hold up, you see me laughing? You think that it's a joke? I'm a start harassing. All you little hoes that be trying to pass it, you better tell them. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, so I mean, so you you hear what you hear what we're hearing. It's, I, I mean, this obviously still happens now, but I think especially during the MySpace age. It was just like it was the easiest thing in the world for any person to like make a gimmicky rap song and just be like, I'm a musician now that like weren't actual rappers had no connection or respect for the genre or its history. We're just like, I'm just going to get some random person to make me a Fruity Loops beat and then just like scream over it. And now I'm a rapper. Um, so it's like one of those type of songs and the video is just her like dancing in underwear. So very, 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 very 2000s MySpace. Yeah, not into it, you might say. But it's. I think it's interesting, though, that she is kind of an unknowing template into what happens today with, with like TikTok stars, you know, like people like Addison Rae or uh, the hell, uh, the hell's her name? Um, the girl that does the you know what I'm talking about? The the girl who does the head bobbing thing who I can't think of. Bella Porch. Bella Porch. Um, you know, there are people who become famous or at least recognizable and they may or may not have any real definable skills. 
So the uh, capitalist machine puts them into the easiest artistic medium to kind of fool you with music. And uh, she did it, man. Tila Tila Tequila. She's out here doing it. Good for you, I guess. Yeah, it's got this really kind of like, it's got this really sanded down, generic, obviously not authentic attempt at aping this like 2000s crunk music that was very popular at the time. But just but just sounds like that. But like, once again, just from a Disney Channel original movie, but even worse than that, kind of. Tequila approached building a cult personality in the same way that she had pursued the other traditional modalities of fame with the ferocity of an attack dog. And she accomplished this by giving everything a personal touch. She would pick one friend of hers a day and give them a phone call. Oh, 2006. You were such a innocent time this is it's such a weird hook to have as your like your online persona is just like i'll call you on the phone yeah well it's it's funny because you said you said that like what she did kind of like led into the modern day tiktok star and you know these sort of like corporately packaged social media influencers that are kind of just selling se- selling you like a personal brand in the most generic of senses. But I also feel like a big part of every aspect of her career was the the sheer wild westness of what social media was. Everything that she's doing is all predicated on it being a a a, a novelty and a gimmick. Um and when I, and when I say gimmick, I mean like because it's like the first time that it's being done. And so it's like, you know, in, a, in an age that isn't uh, in, a, in an age that isn't defined by lightning fast broadband broadband Internet stream uh, uh, broadband Internet connections and access to like the world's information, um, you know, it's like, oh, how do I like how do I be titillated without having to like fucking pay for a like a porn site or whatever? Uh, you know, how do I talk to this? a girl uh you know from the comfort of my house without having to like try to like talk to a real human being oh she'll like call me on the phone and like that's something that's exciting right like everything about her is like oh this is just like the first time that this is this is being done so and, and that's that's really interesting the idea of like building a career off of just like almost in this weird sense like pioneering uh, a new medium but 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 like not in a not in like a way where you're actually like a visionary or like you're not like doing something interesting. You're just kind of like doing it on accident just by being there. Yeah, yeah. The story of the internet, right? Like, yeah. Um, I think you should read this quote about, you know, her perspective on these things. There's a million hot naked chicks on the internet. There's a difference between those girls and me. Those Those chicks don't talk back to you. That's the best simp bait I could imagine in 2006. Like, like, good for you, Tila Tequila. You had an idea, you ran with it, and it fucking worked. Yeah, and like, yeah, you, I, and you do have a point of this sort of lineage of, of, of directly from her to the modern template of what a social media influencer is, because, like, once again, this idea of like, I create thirst trap content. And then I will actually interact with you. Like now that's a cottage industry. I don't know if you've read those articles about how like there's like this these these businesses that's that are that are um, built around uh, this idea of like 
a company that has a bunch of OnlyFans models and they create adult content for OnlyFans. And then like you can chat with girls on OnlyFans or you can chat with people, not just girls, obviously, but you can chat with people on, on OnlyFans and like they'll just like outsource the chatting to like just random dudes in Romania or something. So like you have like the, the OnlyFans model who makes the content and then guys uh, subscribe and watch the videos and then they'll pay to like chat with her. And then some guy is just like the one that's actually talking to them. And they'll have like, they have like literal call centers, but it's like chat centers where it's all these people in Romania or whatever that are just like talking to like pervs on, on the internet pretending to be a model. You love to see it. You love to see it. It's also interesting too, because I feel like it's almost like this is like the first instance of weaponizing the parasocial relationship. Like we didn't have a term for that in 2006. But she was really aware that, like, the only real skill or commodity that I have is my sexuality. And people want to be as close to that as possible. So if I'm selling this fantasy of, like, you can have sex with me, I don't want to have sex with thousands of people. But the closest thing to that is I can sell interacting with me, maybe in a, like, coquettish, cute way where I'll call you and flirt with you and call you handsome and then hang up the phone you know and then you'll send my profile to 15 of your other like horny dude friends and i'll get 15 more friends and 15 percent more clout or whatever and honestly like i just earlier said like trailblazing without actually being a visionary or doing anything just kind of being there on accident and like i still mostly think that's true but like honestly maybe i'm even not giving her enough credit because like that kind of is a genius idea like before like that's so commonplace now that we take it for granted, like I said, but like at the time she essentially just saw that she, there was, there was a new medium where you're on the internet and you are in a space to connect with people and serve them content. Right. But it's not just like a website where you download videos or whatever. It's like a hub where everybody's coming together. And like, it's almost like a digital mark, a digital marketplace where people are all kind of hanging out together um, in, in a social setting. And, she took that and combined it with the concept of, you know, the way that um, the the way that f- that lo- mostly female bartenders and and waiters like utilize social utilize like flirtation and, and social interaction to like get tips or like, you know, yeah, just like to, to get more tips than normal or whatever. She like took the she took that and combined it with this new medium to create a way of monetizing social interaction, which like, like I said, I feel like I'm maybe even giving her not enough credit for how good of an idea that is. Maybe she was a genius visionary that like fucking pioneered social media influencers. Yeah, I mean, I think she totally is in this specific, you know, in this specific part of the dialogue about her career. It's amazing. And I think she definitely did it on purpose. The other stuff, not so much. Hey, man, no, nobody said that genius visionaries were good people or not Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oof. Hugo Boss, great fashion designer. Oof. Maybe maybe don't design those costumes for the fucking Luftwaffe. Not, not good. By 2007, Tia Tequila was a bona fide celebrity. So much so that VH1 gave her her own TV show, A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila. The big reveal of the show in the pilot episode is that she would come out as bisexual. I haven't even told my mom and dad. I haven't been 100% honest with you guys. 
Boys, I have a secret. <laughs> They're really drawing drawing this out. Possibly see. Let yourselves in. I'm waiting by the pool. Let's see on. Oh. All of a sudden, a line of women come walking out there. I'm like, who is that? What is going on here? I saw you there. <laughs> I looked up and saw all these guys, and I was like, wow, are these a bunch of lifeguards or something? Hello, ladies. Welcome. Come up, gather around. Holy, those guys there. And they're all staring at me like a piece of meat. I'm like, hello, excuse me, what is doing here? Gross. <laughs> you have no idea why the both of you are here. When I first saw the girls walk out, I was like, all right, we're all gonna get some. I never, ever told anyone this before. Maybe they're all gay guys, like maybe it's like a gay bash. But I want to let you all know that I'm a bisexual. My God, that was the most drawn out thing I've ever seen. For no reason. Like, who gives a shit? With that same little, like, guitar cue. Bow down, down. Like the whole the whole hook of the show is she's a party girl who actually likes girls and guys. Like, okay. It's so like a non-issue in in like in the in a modern context. Like it's just like, okay, well, that was your that was your secret? And to and to draw like <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's a spectrum, baby. <laughs> It's a, I wish that somebody had said that in one of those confessional videos, you know, <laughs> one of the, those jockey ass flip flop wearing puka shell wearing idiots was just like sexuality is a spectrum, baby. YouTube asked me if I'm gay like every day, like you and me both, man. <laughs> this is not my first rodeo. Like ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, just just a just a an utter time capsule of the of the 2000s in every conceivable way. I mean, you got. Tila tequila, tequila in there. You've got a show based around a premise that is like an utter non-issue in today's society. I mean, obviously, you're going to have some people who would be disgusted by that. But, you know, that's those are just horrible people. It's it's aside from the the bigots of the world. That's just that's just nothing. It's just like, OK, um, you've got like a TV show where you've got a bunch of dudes and wearing puka shell necklaces who were like simulating motorboating whenever they watch these women come into the room, like just something that would never happen today on a TV show. Uh, yeah, just a just a blast from the past, a, a better time, if you ask me, where men could be wear puka shell necklaces without being judged. Yeah, uh, little, I mean, you are a puka a puka sexual, right? You have a secret. Bum bum bum. And and you and you know you know it's real because she said I'm a bisexual, not I'm bi not I'm bisexual, but I have I have a secret to tell everybody. 
it's very true and it's it's not just a made up publicity stunt for creating this show this is actually a real part of my identity and i'm not just like co-opting something for to exploit it to make this like this this show that's meant to like titillate people i'm a gay (laughs) yeah uh so basically the uh the, the 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 spoilers for this is the show lasts two seasons and she doesn't end up in real life dating anyone on the show and in fact uh, she gets engaged to the Johnson and Johnson heiress Casey Johnson and uh, they they're living together and unfortunately Casey Johnson has a tragic accident and dies. Well, here's the here's the here's the thing. So, re, so referencing back to the joke I just made, here's like the confusing part. And I mean, maybe it's not confusing. Maybe it's just like people go through realizations, and you know, just because you say something one time doesn't mean that you can have a different perspective another time. But the show the show airs a season, and it's sort of like revealed. People basically find out that like the show is staged, which I mean, all reality shows, especially at that time, were staged. But she was not actually dating any of these people. And as a matter of fact, she had a boyfriend. And once again, maybe she's polyamorous or whatever. So who knows the reality of these things? But it's sort of people get get wise to the idea that this show is staged and she's not genuinely trying to date any of these people. And as a matter of fact, like the person that wins, quote unquote, the the first season, like she never actually dates them. Um, and then... Uh, she does and she and people start saying to asking her about this and she denies it and she says oh it just didn't work out with this person so then they do a second season and once again she dates a pool of a group of men and a group of women and then she chooses one of the women for the the end of the show and then later on she basically admits that she's not actually bisexual she's straight and that she was just doing it for you know the show like it was just she she literally used the words i'm gay for pay like that was that was her words and like admits that the whole thing was fake but then she goes on to actually date in real life multiple women so i was i was confused about that part and once again maybe it's not confusing maybe she just maybe she lied about being gay for pay because she was embarrassed or maybe she didn't think she was gay or bisexual, but then she realized she was, I, I don't know. But anyway, I, I was a little confused about that part of the story. My, uh, my understanding is that she kept up the kayfabe post show and ev- and was in actual relationships with those women, especially Casey Johnson. She lived with Casey Johnson before her death. And then later in life, once she was a born again, Christian spoiler alert, and had a mental breakdown, spoiler alert, she came out saying, I was never gay, was always gay for pay. Even when I was living with Casey Johnson, that was kayfabe. She didn't say the kayfabe part, but you know what I mean. Um, that's my understanding of it. I don't know how much of that is true and how much of that is not. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, who knows? Like, she could be lying about that now. Or she could, I mean, that's that's kind of the, that's kind of the nature of, you know, that the, there, there lies the rub of not only celebrity, but internet celebrity is like the whole thing is just so fake that there's no way of telling there's no way of like making your way out of the house of like what's fucking real or not yeah and it's also really sad because casey johnson really did die she like died of you know at, at first people thought she died of a like a drug overdose and then eventually the coroner's coroner's report 
said that she died of uh, accidentally not taking her insulin. You know, her she was diabetic, and so she they think that she died from missing her, you know, uh, diabetes medication, which is just like so sad. Yeah, well, I mean, also she was having a lot of mental health struggles as well, and yeah, so she wasn't taking her her insulin, and she also wasn't eating the right diet. So she was just like she just was a very unhealthy person, and and essentially died from not taking care of herself. Uh, that pushed Tia Tequila into a mental spiral where she became suicidal. She had suicidal thoughts and ideations, and then eventually. Uh, you know, she posted all these photos of her like weeping on camera and like it was just super sad. And she her she ended up moving in with a couple roommates and one of the roommates found her um, after having taken a bunch of pills and overdosing on sleeping pills. And several times throughout this, she repeatedly um, claimed that she was pregnant or had had a baby, but they were they were all fake pregnancies. It was like it was like a weird recurring thing that she had been doing for years where she was faking pregnancies and then eventually she would admit that it wasn't real or something. Um, You know, when and when she attempted to use these pain pills to overdose, uh, she she kind of had this to say about why that happened and how it wasn't a suicide attempt. I can remember feeling like the bones were popping out of the sides of my head because the pain was so bad. I took some medications and tried to go for a nap, but when I woke up, I was vomiting. So, you know, she claimed she wasn't trying to kill herself. She claimed that she was just trying to, you know, make this pain go away um, from these both these mental spirals and also this uh, uh, situation where Casey Johnson had died. Um, so she ended up going to a rehab facility, and at the rehab facility, she kind of found God. Um, initially, she converted to Judaism and she was going to the synagogue and she was uh, reading and would talk online a lot about how Judaism was helping her. And then at a certain point, she went quiet. And then I think at this point, she had some like housing problems and she put like a GoFundMe up to get a new place to live. And but that might have come a little bit later. Um, but then she found she converted to being a Christian and then things get really weird. After she leaves Judaism, becomes a Christian, then she pivots into being a hard alt-right internet persona, um, which is just insane. And she wrote a blog post called Why I Sympathize with Hitler, Part 1, colon, True History Unveiled. And this is a, this is a small sample of what she wrote. I used to think all of those horrible things about Hitler until I learned the truth about the war and what Hitler truly did. And he was not a bad person as they have painted him out to be. Not even close. I cry because my heart feels broken. Here is a man who is not a coward, stood up for his country in a desperate time of need, unlike all of our cowardly leaders. And yet not only did he try his best to help his country and people get out of what was a time of depression, economic collapse, high unemployment, amongst many other things, he lost the war and was painted out to be a monster after his death. This is what breaks my heart, especially now that I know the truth. And how does she reconcile this truth with anti-Semitism? I'm not going to sit here and say that I hate Jewish people, because that is not the case, nor is this about Jews. It is about Hitler and his side of the story. (laughs) It is about Hitler and his side of the story that was never told since he was not the victor. However, those of you with a closed mind can think I am being an anti-Semite all you want because I already told you that I am not. 
nor will I repeat myself again. Yeah. Listen, I am not an anti-Semite. I do not hate Jewish people. I resent the insinuation that just simply because I am simping for a dude who murdered six million of them that I myself am an anti-Semite. Just because I think that Hitler was a hero and there's literally only one thing he did and it's kill Jews. That does not make me hate Jews. Tia Tequila followed this up by saying online that she believed she was Hitler reincarnated. Hitila. <laughs> Hitila. 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 Hit fucking Tila. Hitila. Hitila. Nobody, nobody, nobody in 2005 accepting that friend request and fucking putting the little music player on their sidebar, playing some Taking Back Sunday song, sitting there arranging their top eight, taking Sarah out because she said something bitchy yesterday. Nobody ever predicted Hitila. Lifestyles of the rich and the Hitila. Nobody could have saw Hitila coming. I'm Hitila. I'm Hitila. I'm Hitila. I'm just trying to think of like an Evanescence song, and I can't think of the lyrics to any Evanescence song. Hitila, Hitila, inside can't Tila, wake me up in the Tila. Call my name, it's Hatila. They just deep fake Tila Tequila's face onto all of the people from Evanescence. Tequila Essence. Hit, hit fucking Tila, man. Hitila. It's like it's like fucking it's reality mad libs. The just taking like just plucking these memories out of our heads and just be like, yeah, fucking remember that lady that was like friends with everybody on MySpace when you were a teenager? She's a fucking a Nazi now and she thinks Hitler was a cool guy. Like Deal with that shit, you you fucking assholes. Tia Tequila pivoted so hard into the neo-Nazi thing that she started tweeting hate speech at Jewish celebrities like Sarah Silverman. She got into the alt-right pipeline, and after being fired from Celebrity Big Brother, the English version, she started attending white supremacist rallies and tweeting pictures of swastikas. She was promptly banned from Twitter, but that doesn't matter because she rebranded her YouTube account into a full-on faith self-help vlog and just fucking floored it. So I looked for some of these videos and it looks like they've all been taken down, I think, um, because I've seen clips of them and they are crazy, but I wanted to play some of them and I couldn't find the YouTube channel anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they're not on YouTube, but they might be on, um, they might be on BitChute. Bitshoot is like the fucking it's the it's the graveyard for all uh, banned YouTube videos because it's like a it's like a free speech alternative to because basically she like she pivoted into being into being an evangelical Christian got married had kids became a flat earther and then started posting YouTube videos where she claimed that she was the reincarnation of God another trope you'll remember where she's constantly claiming to be reincarnated um she has all these housing problems again. She runs another GoFundMe, this time for a gospel record that she wants to record. Um, it doesn't make the $30,000 funding goal, so it doesn't get made. Um, she tries to uh, she tries to kidnap her next-door neighbor's children and make them Christian by baptizing them. Yeah, and she, like, 
she like tried to do it on live stream yeah yeah uh it's just this period is just wild yeah she claimed that she was like she was she was god one time she said that she was taylor swift and that she created taylor swift one time she was live streaming and she was just in her room but she was saying that she was on like a spaceship in like another dimension but she was just clearly in a bedroom so i wanted to baptize these children for uh god's kingdom and they said yes but the grandma came over here and told them they cannot be baptized i have the water ready and everything and they're really sweet children of god so i just want to make this testimony no can we get baptized tomorrow well your mom is trying not you don't care about their salvation ma'am wait a minute wait a minute I don't try to make this on that I don't care about nothing that's going on with the Lord. See, I'm you're like, hurting their you're hurting no, their hearts. No, no, I just don't want to hear argue because I don't like arguments. I know, but the devil doesn't want y'all to be saved, but God's trying to save y'all too. Who the devil? The devil are the ones who don't want God's children to be baptized. What so then I'm why don't you the want devil. them to be baptized, ma'am? I'm about to baptize them right I now. The I am the church. No, no. The Lord says, not. Peter, you are the church, and on this church I will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. I'm not going to argue with you. Okay, so the, the Lord wants to save these children and they will get baptized in the name of Jesus. It's fucking dark. Super dark. Person is just not well. No, it's they're very obviously not well. And, and coming full circle to what we kind of said in the very beginning, it's just like, it's just very sad because it's just like, I mean, she's, she said some horrible reprehensible things she's literally written an essay in defense of hitler uh but also she's clearly having a massive ongoing mental health spiral and crisis that her and seemingly nobody in her life is interested in trying to get her any help for and the 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 slow drip of even a semblance of internet celebrity just like keeps it alive because this spiral of like I can post a video and say whatever fucking insane shit comes to my mind and I will be validated by even five people is like that's just that's a never ending feedback loop that will just continue to snowball worse and worse as long as it's there and as long as nobody's trying to help this person so it's just it's just very sad and very untenable it's like what do, what do you do it's, it seems like it's, it seems like nothing is Nothing's going to get better for this person until somebody gives enough of a shit about her to try to help her out in a constructive way. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be her husband either because they got divorced. They're going through a crazy or they went through a crazy divorce. I think they're they're now divorced and their kids are. Yeah. Oof. It's just it's so sad. Um, but it's interesting because it's interesting to me because a lot of these situations are it's almost kind of like I mean, I would I have ever guessed that she would have been Hitila? No. <laughs> But it's not that far off from what happened with like a lot of celebrities, especially child celebrities or people who got famous young in the 80s, you know, like her arc feels like a child actor's arc other than the neo-Nazi stuff. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Yeah. And it's just yeah, it's like and the thing about, you know, that's a, that's a trope that child actors sort of go through that go through that arc. And it's even worse with the Internet and social media because it's, you know, it's like. I would like to hope that nothing even remotely similar to this happens. And also, obviously, I'm not like, like, I'm glad that this kid is getting this recognition and I don't, I don't uh, have any negative thoughts towards it. But I think about stuff like, you know, that the, the corn kid, you know, this, this little kid. It's cone. Like, 
he may, he does this interview. He's adorable. He says something very funny and he goes mega viral because of it. And now like he's been in a Mr. Beast video. He's like, I saw the last thing I saw was like he, he did some kind of event for like Nickelodeon or something like that. Like just overnight viral fame. And you know, it's, it's great. And obviously, especially in his situation, it's all about positivity. It's all about just this adorable, harmless little video. And I think it's great. But also on the, by, on the, on the other side of the coin, no human being, especially a child, is meant to have those many eyes on them at once and be just shoved into the public spotlight like that. It's just it's not good for our brains. It's just it's just not good for for it's not it's not good for our mental health at all and then and this is the result of it like the, the, people are just not meant to have this level of attention on them this frequently this consistently for this many years yeah but hitila yeah i mean but hit hitila like for sure uh okay i guess let's uh let's let's talk some some uh final thoughts i think for me uh the I think it's a weird thing because I think a lot of people for a for a small period of time they had a lot of ownership over Tia Tequila, Tila Tequila. Like I feel like there was a brief window where everybody on MySpace and and on the early eras of the internet were really like Tila Tequila is one of us done good. Like there there was haters, you know, who were just like, she's just fucking sexy, and that's why they're putting her on these shows. But I think there was a period of time where it was kind of like, oh look. It's kind of like one of us internet weirdos is making it out into broader culture. That's kind of cool. And then it very rapidly fizzled when the person was just obviously like super fake. You know, we didn't even talk about her sex tape. She quote unquote leaked a sex tape at one point. That shit was not leaked. She just made a porn. Like she just made a porn, which is fine. Uh, that shit. That shit was spigoted. She just turned. She turned the faucet on. There was no leak. It was just like. It was just cranking the cranking the handle to all the way to the far. I know what you're trying to do, but it sounds more like you're making a squirting joke than a leaking joke. So I mean that too. I contain multitudes. I can I can make triple entendres. You don't fucking know me. It's funny to me though that like there would be that initial period of like one of us done good because the internet culture wasn't as solidified as it is now. So in, in a lot of ways, people weren't really from a specific corner of the internet. It was just generally internet people. But she also didn't really, yeah, I don't even, I, it's weird because today when somebody, you know, like Charlie D'Amelio or whatever takes off, it's like, oh, she's a TikTok star. And at this point, it wasn't even like any sort of delineation of where this person was from, just you know, MySpace and generically the internet like loved Tia Tequila, um, but also in a very passive way where like, yeah, she was getting a bunch of simps, but like the broader culture of the internet didn't really embrace her or like her. Um, I don't know. It's a very, it's very interesting that that cocktail of conflicting feedback loops spawned a career that everybody still knows their name today, even if they're being a fucking weirdo Nazi porn star born again christian asshole you know um and i don't really know that i have a fine point on this other than it's very sad that this person has obvious mental health deficiencies and there's nobody in their life to step in and try and mitigate that the cycles that are obviously repeating yeah and it's also just very sad that like she was a like guinea pig for she's like she's like a canary in the coal mine for for what happens to a person when they receive viral fame because 
you know, I we I, I think it was discussed a lot in the QAnon series and maybe in the Britney Spears episode and maybe several several other episodes where the topic of like celebrity and internet fame and internet algorithms and how they can affect people's minds and like hack our brains. Like this stuff has been discussed. Um, and it's obviously, you know, in, in my opinion, it's sort of like an ongoing issue. Um, but I think that like, at least now we kind of like, there's theory surrounding it. There's books written about this. Um, people, there are, there are, uh, ethics commissions at tech companies dedicated to figuring out how not to get people addicted in a negative way to things. Um, there are watchdogs that monitor these things and talk and speak out whenever, uh, companies are trying to manipulate people. Um, it's still an ongoing issue, but at least we have some kind of understanding around it. But Tila Tequila was like, literally just like, let's throw this person out there and just see what happens to a person's mind when you have billions of people paying attention to one human being in a in a in a very direct interactive way um and now it's kind of commonplace like we talked about with like the parasocial relationship and the fact that like being a, a social media star is like a very common thing and now like there's this melding where like even people, even movie stars are social media stars and they're sort of like required to do that. It's all, it's all been very mainstreamed at this point, but she was just kind of like, let's fucking see what happens when this, when you just make everybody pay attention to one human being on the internet at once. And it's just kind of sad that like she, like the idea of like receiving this new kind of attention that never existed before and probably what a rush it was to have that attention put on you and then to sort of like not even realize because there had been no established continuity for it that like this attention was not necessarily benevolent and that like with with internet virality comes this idea of being chewed up and spit out people get tired of you in three seconds even quicker than the 15 minutes of fame that you can get from like traditional celebrity and also that like a lot of times virality is paired with this sort of virulent negativity that doesn't even exist in regular celebrity as pure and concentrated where like a lot of times people can like you can be a celebrity because people fucking hate you and to have all of that stuff just shoved into one person's mind in such a short amount of time uh it's yeah it's just it's just it's just very sad and um you know she 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 said some she said some Nazi shit, but like I don't know. I, I I hope that maybe someday she can get some help and some people that actually give a shit about her and want her to like figure a way out of that. I'm Dave Baker and I'm Spandrew Spice. This has been Deep Cuts. If you'd like to find me on the internet, you can do so at heydavebaker.com. You can uh, order my book Halloween Boy. Spandrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me in your friend request inbox in my in my ongoing attempt to become friends with everybody on the internet so that I can say that I'm the most famous eye-patched influencer of all time. And you can also find me uh, not on social media because I don't use social media. Actually, that's a that's a fucking lie at this point. I've started I've started using Twitter. I Andrew had a Twitter and Dave was getting too sad about it. And so in a weird kind of like vertigo situation, he started making me use the Twitter and pretending like I was Andrew. 
And eventually I just kind of like leaned into it. So you can follow me on on Twitter at Robots and Comedy. Robots, letter in comedy. I talk about stuff sometimes. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok at DeadBoyDetective. Um, you can uh, go, if you want to pay your respects to the dear beloved Pro- Papa Pricey, you can go to his website, dapricerights.com, where you can buy his book, uh, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. You can follow us on social media. Go to Facebook, search for Deep Cuts Podcast. You can join our Facebook group. Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. We talk about the show, make memes. You can join our Discord server, bitly.com slash Discord, where you, we talk about the show, make memes, and talk about other things. You can follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Mystery Treehouse. You can go to our website, deepcutspod.com. Click on the shop. You can get t-shirts and hats and things with uh, Deep Cuts graphics on them. You can get our Mystery Treehouse Junior Sleuth shoulder patch. And uh, still a couple tape comics left. Simple Code, nine-track Napster rock opera with a five-page full-color comic, $12.99 flat. It's not flat. It's one cent off from being flat, but you know what I mean. Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.